This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. You may be seated. How many know that every once in a while in your life and in your journey, God likes to interrupt things and get your attention? Well, since Sunday night... Uh, God, the word that God gave through Pastor Gary on Sunday night has wrecked me. It's bothered me in a good way. It's eaten away at me, and I have just been literally marinating in that word. I've listened to it about four times all week. And um, I just feel like, I feel like what I'm going to share this morning is our new marching orders, if that's all right. You guys good with that? Okay. Back in uh, January of this year, we did a Vision Sunday, the opening service of the year, and uh, I spoke about the prophetic destiny of this house. We talked about this church being a city-reaching church. We talked about this church being a house of restoration. How many believe that? Amen. All seven of you. We're better than three. That's good. We believe that we are called to be a city-reaching church and a house of restoration. The first, the first one was like, you know, Hillary Clinton supporters dying off quickly. And then, the, I'm sorry. All right. Okay. Sorry, that slipped. All right. Okay. We need to pray for America. That's all I got to say. I digress. Okay. But when we talked about this idea of prophetic destiny, I said there was three things that we need to focus on. I shared this in January. Three things I believe that we need to do and to, to uh, get ready for our prophetic destiny. The first one was this is we need to align ourselves to God's heart, to God's way of thinking, to God's word, to God's truth. We need to align ourselves to what he was doing here through this house. So for some of you, that meant, hey, let's get involved. Let's get on board. Let's, let's become more uh, involved in the church. It could be a, a bunch of different things. The second thing was, as I said, I believe that God wants to enlarge our capacity. He wants to enlarge our capacity. Well, every Sunday since, uh, since the summer... It seems like we're in this habit where we just keep, we need to add more chairs. Well, we added a fifth or fourth Impact Kids class last Sunday for the first time, and it was full. Every class was full, so we came out of that, we went, maybe we need to go to a fifth class the week after, and then a sixth class the week after that. I don't know, like I just feel like, God, what is going on here? This is awesome. And so we talked about adding more chairs, we talked about adding more kids' classes, we talked about the need to add more volunteers, all those things. The third thing was this, is I honestly believe that the mandate for this church was the same that was the mandate for Joshua going into the promised land in Joshua chapter 3. And there was a very interesting uh, verse in in Joshua chapter 3 verse 8 where it talks about before we can occupy the promised land, you need to sanctify yourselves. In other words, I believe God called us back in January, we need to sanctify in order to occupy in other words, we need to become holy. We need to get our life in order. We need to work on those things that God is doing. How many know this morning that destiny is not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice? Sometimes we think that we can kind of stumble into things, and God through his sovereignty sometimes allows that, which is awesome. But destiny is a matter of choice. Pastor Mark Batterson, a great pastor down in the U.S. in Washington, D.C., said this, Time may be measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. 
And I believe that we have a moment that is upon us right now. As Pastor Gary said on Sunday night, there's an opportune time for this church. And he said this, which I thought was really, it struck me all week. He said this, significance is what is before us, not what is behind us. Significance is what is before us, not what is behind us. How many know that you can recognize, even with your natural eyes, that we're in a season of momentum? I want to give you some statistics just to prove it for those that would maybe doubt. (laughs) Okay, are we ready? So, 2013, guess what our average attendance was? 100. 2014, 109. Guess what it was in 2015? 125. It's on the screen behind you. 14.7% increase in the year before. 2016, we're currently at an average of 149. Since September, we're at 175. Last Sunday, we had 231. Now, how many know that, that, that numerical issues are not the be-all and end-all? As a matter of fact, I'm much more concerned about church health than I am church growth. Amen? Amen? Okay. But there's too many things that you can't ignore. Ignite Youth has doubled since last year. Okay? We had the largest attendance of any equipped semester in our history this past fall, leading up to here. We have the largest amount of people participating in a small group than we've ever had in our history. Impact Kids just went to a fourth class, as I just shared, and it was full. So we have a very nice problem. How many many like these problems? Pardon me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Our finances are up. So you can see the finances on the screen behind us. Our weekly offering is up almost 10% from last year. That's good, because what does it do? It gives us opportunity to expand staff, to expand ministries, to expand things that we're doing. We are definitely in a moment of momentum, but I want to drop a a, a word on you this morning that has been dropped in my heart all week, and I cannot shake it, and it may sound completely like it's out in left field, but I want you to follow with me this morning. How many know that you can have momentum, but if you don't have traction, you're not going anywhere? Right? Right? How many have ever, uh, I'm not trying to pre-warn you about what's about to come in the next month and a half, but how many have ever got those winter tires because everyone told you that's what you should do, and you get out there on that little ice, and it just doesn't grip, and it's just expending so much energy, but you're not going anywhere. Traction, what is it? It's the adhesive grip which empowers the act of pulling. The example, obviously, best example is your tires gripping the road. Traction enables a force or a power to move something forward. In other words, traction brings potential into motion. It brings potential into motion. How many know that when an idea or a movement or a thought or a concept gets traction or gains traction, it literally means that it's gaining momentum, that it's building in intensity, that it is moving forward well, how many have ever been in, uh, involved in something in your life? Maybe it's business, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's relationships, where you know that the opposite is happening. Where you're doing so much to try to get something going and you're just like you're spinning your tires. And nothing's happening. And you just feel like there's no traction. Why is there no traction? Well, I believe what God wants to get, us, uh, get through to us today collectively as a church, because he's been getting it through to me all week, is we've got to think about traction. We've got to think about what does that look like, because we have momentum. But if we don't put something under that tire in order to propel it forward, then I believe that we're going to 
potentially miss what God would want to do. Think about this. There's a difference between traction and inertia. If you're a Queen student in sciences, you'll know what this is all about before I even have to do that. Speaking of that, we started this past Monday night at Queen's. We had 21 young adults uh, meeting on... On campus, we had a great first night and looking forward to tomorrow night on campus. It's awesome. But inertia is the tendency to do nothing or remain unchanged. How many have ever heard the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Right? Right. And so inertia, in other words, is something that resists movement. Traction is what helps to pull it forward. It captures movement or momentum. How many know that in the wintertime, sometimes we may not even not get traction, but sometimes we even slip backwards? And so I'm very, very cognizant of this fact as we are approaching some very key times in our church's life. I think Hands of Hope is a key time. How many would agree with that? Amen? If you've never been involved in Hands of Hope, get ready. You're going to be blown away. You are going to be blown away by the love of this house for the, love, for the city of Kingston. Can I say this morning that traction is probably one of the most, if not the most, key component in generating and sustaining and keeping momentum in your life? Every one of us usually starts at a place of inertia and resistance. How many know that most of humanity, as soon as they hear the word change or anything to do with transition, we run in the opposite direction? Or we try to hide. You know, like those moments when you're in a class and the teacher's looking around for somebody to help read something for them, and then suddenly you've just immersed yourself into your book right in front of you, just so you know, I don't want anyone to pick my name. I don't want anyone to call me out. I don't want any of that. Is anyone here this morning that want to come up and read? Okay, all right, keep going. All right, all right, all right, all right. But before we can generate movement and speed, we need traction. God wants Impact Church to have momentum, traction. Do you believe that this morning? As we think about this and as we ponder this, this concept this morning, I want you to think and remember one very simple thing. To get supernatural momentum for our future, we must build supernatural traction in our now. How many are, like, if we can be honest with you, and I'm just going to be straight up from my own perspective, oftentimes we're saying, God, if you just do something, or if you just write on a wall, or God, if you just confirm it 500, 300, you know, 700, 1.8 billion times, then I may get out of my seat and I may do something, Lord, for you. I remember when we were thinking about coming to Kingston and God was dealing with us about this concept of planting a church, I can honestly say, like, there was no hesitation to me. If anything, we needed to be held back. I wanted to come three years before we came. And thankfully, we had leaders that loved us enough to say, whoa, let's plan. Let's think about this. Let's, let's process through this. Let's get you ready so that when you get there, you're not going to be steamrolled by the enemy. And I'm so glad we waited until when, the time that we did come. But I tell you, there was something inside of me that says, man, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Supernatural momentum for our future must be built by supernatural traction in our now. I want to talk this morning about seven traction builders for our church, all found in Hebrews chapter 12. For those that are doing your Bible reading plan, you're going to be there next week. I just skipped ahead, if that's okay. I skipped ahead one, one week on you guys because I found some stuff in there that spoke to me significantly. Um, the first one is this. You have to identify the obstacles, right? 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, the second part, it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How many know that running a race when everything looks clear and good in front of us is easy to run? But how many know if God's calling us to run a race where there's obstacles, the first thing that we do is we say, you know, inertia looks really good. I just like sitting down and we can just observe somebody else doing that. How many know that whenever there's a door of opportunity for anybody, individually or as a church, there's going to be an adversary, there's going to be a pushback of the enemy, there's going to be obstacles that the enemy wants to put into our place so that we get derailed, distracted, or, or, or caught up in other things that will never take us to the place that God has for us. Paul actually speaks to this in Galatians 5, 7, and 8. He says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Can I just be ridiculously transparent this morning as your pastor? Is that okay? I'm going to lay it on the line. Sometimes when God deals with us, um, I like how he deals with me because he's very gentle. And he reminds me, Cameron, I still love you, but you've got to get this. I'm like, yes, Lord, I know you love me, and I know I'm your favorite because you tell me that every day, and I know you love the leaves. So, Lord Jesus... Help me, Jesus. So here's what he's been dealing with me. Can I just be transparent with you this morning? How many believe in God that a building is in our future? Okay. Here's the problem. I've put my leadership ability into one bucket. Lord, when we have a building, then everything else will work out. Lord, then we can do this. Then we can do that. Then we can do this. Then we can do that. Then we can do this. You know what God's dealt with me all week? It's Cameron. Since when did a building become your answer? I thought I was. Hmm. Yeah. I know you are. How many ever feel like you've just got spanked, but, you know, you, you don't really want to admit it because it's like, that would be embarrassing? And then my wife would be right, and that's not good? And I think to myself, maybe, you know what I'm saying? But God came to me this week and said, You've put your hope in a building. But you got momentum, and a building is not going to give you traction because it's not right in front of you right now. So you're hoping that the building will be the traction, and I've got to be the traction. I feel like my heart for that building, I feel like, has gotten onto you. And so it's not your fault. This is on me. This is on me. Only one person, nobody else in here. This is on me. So I have news for you today. God did a little slap this week. And he said to me, the building will come when it's not in your focal point. Still do your, do your thing. Still research. Still look at buildings. Do all of that. I'm not saying that we're going to stop our search. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share a little bit at the end about some of the things that are starting to potentially work out or some steps that we're seeing. But I just felt like God said, the building is not the answer. Sometimes we feel like our, our problems are holding us back. Sometimes we feel like it's a building that's holding us back. Sometimes we feel like a situation or a circumstance is holding us back. And I have news for you this morning. It's not a circumstance that holds you back. It's the fact that we have taken a circumstance, and instead of allowing traction and the friction to gain traction, we've actually become people of inertia that just sit here and wait. And I feel like God is saying, in every moment of momentum... Inertia is the absolute opposite of what we need to do. We need to gain traction. Amen? Are you tracking with me this morning?
Amen. God wants us to see the friction of those obstacles as an opportunity to gain further traction. He doesn't want to stay in a place of inertia. He wants us to gain traction this morning. Second one is this. We have to draw from prototypes. Hebrews 12, verses 1, the very beginning, it says this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. How many know that there's heroes of of the faith that have gone before us? Some of them biblical. Some of them people in our lives that have passed on. But there's also heroes of our faith that are in our life right now. Some of them that you may be in personal relationship with. Some of them you may listen to their podcast. Some of them you may have read their books or watched their, uh, their messages online. But God has placed people in our lives. They're prototypes that we have to follow. These are people that inspire us, that are, are cheerleading us on to that next realm. People who are speaking prophetically into our life. This past weekend, I had the privilege, we had the privileges of a church of hosting Pastor Gary and Pastor Frank. I lost count how many conversations I had with the two of them where they both looked at me and said, the door of opportunity is right in front of you, Cameron. Just walk through. And everything inside of me is like, what happened to me, this guy from eight and a half years ago that could literally walk into a city that he didn't know, left his job, left his pension, left everything, took his family, didn't have a job here when we got here, had nothing, no support, and yet lived in faith, and God, we showed up, and then something happened. And then with regards to this building, I'm just kind of like, well, Lord, we know we'll just wait for that door up opportunity to happen because when it happens, then everything else will work out. Somehow I slipped into this inertia pattern with the issue of the building. Now, not in a lot of other things, but with the building, I have. And I just felt like God is saying, repent, move on. Amen? But prototypes offer us information to help us problem solve, process through things so that we don't have to make the same mistake someone else made. How many are grateful that when we can learn from someone else's boo-boos instead of making them our own all the time, right? Let's make a list of opportunities, strategies that we can learn. The third one is this. Connect with catalysts. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Can I say to you right now that when you're struggling or you're processing And I'll say it for me, myself personally. When you're processing through something, it's very easy to find somebody that will agree with your place of inertia. But catalysts call you forward to gain traction. They will speak into situations. They will call you forward. Sometimes you don't like them because they're calling you to get out of your seat. And you're like, just leave me alone. Like, just leave me alone. I like inertia. It's very stable. We don't do anything. This is good, right? It's good. But the Holy Spirit's a catalyst. When the Holy Spirit empowers you, guess what happens? He catalyzes something in your heart. He inspires something in your heart. He, he, he awakens a passion in your heart for something, and then you can't shake it. When we were coming here for the three years before we were moving here, I thought about Kingston every single day for three years. There was not one day that didn't go by that I was not thinking about Kingston. It was wrecking me. Now I feel like, Lord, I just, uh, something's huge, something is about to burst in this city and I can feel it. Do you feel that? I feel it. Vision is a catalyst. Relationships are a catalyst. You have to do an inventory on your relationships. Are the people in your life acting as a catalyst in your life to propel you forward to the things of God? Or are they holding you back? Are they comfortable in a state of inertia? 
Traction always comes as we embrace key changes that will catalyze us. The fourth thing is this. Breaking free from dead weights. Hebrews 12, verses 1, it says this. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Can I say this this morning? There's, it's actually talking about two different things. It's talking about a weight, and it's talking about a sin. And I want to say this this morning, that every dead weight does not necessarily mean it's sin. Sometimes dead weight is just simply that, dead weight. How many know that the, 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 the best and most... Uh, you know, biggest, I say, deception of what we should be doing in our life is the good things because God wants us to not settle for good but to go for great. Sometimes we settle in good. God's saying, go forward, go forward. Think about something bigger. What are those dead weights? Well, anything that holds you down, anything that, that causes you not to gain traction in your life. How do you know? Just go for coffee with somebody and you'll know by the end of that meeting, whether it's 20 minutes at Starbucks, whether it's 45 minutes at Coffee Co., or whether it's an hour and 10 minutes having the syrupy hot chocolate from Tim Hortons. Whatever you got to do, you'll know by the end of that conversation whether you leave that place a better person and, on, and with vision and with focus rather than, oh, here we just talk about the same old stuff. I've talked about the same old stuff for the same old stuff for as long as I can remember and every time I leave those conversations, I keep thinking about the same old stuff. You know what we have strategically done for years, Sandra and I, both individually and even as a couple, we have surrounded ourselves with people who will catalyze a passion in our heart for more of God. Every time we get around them, we come away just like, we can conquer the world, even though I know in the natural I can't do that. But I come away from those conversations feeling like I can conquer the world because we have an unconquerable God whose foundation is so secure, so unchanging, I know what God's calling us to do. Amen? Breaking free from dead weights. It could be people who are slowing you down. It could be mindsets. It could be taking certain things taking up too much of your time. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is the tail wagging the dog in your life somewhere? Look at it. Fifth thing is this. Fix your focus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Focus. How many have ever heard of the Flying Walendas? You know, the guys that did the trapeze, the, uh, the walking across the, the tight ropes and all of that. Uh, Tina Walenda, who was one of the famous grandsons, said this, When I was seven, my grandfather put me on a wire two feet off the ground. He taught me all the basics, how to keep my body stiff, how to place my feet on the wire, and how to hold the pole. But the most important thing was to focus my attention on a point that was unmoving. That is how we maintain our balance in the wire. You need a point to concentrate on to keep you Balanced. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, he will keep you balanced and moving forward. From the very beginning of the foundation of this church, we made a declaration. This church is about Jesus. Live like Jesus, love like Jesus from day one. This is about Jesus. Why? Because he's the word of God. Why? Because he's the son of God. Why? Because he was the one that said, listen, look at me. And if you know me, you've known the father. He was the perfect representation of of God because he is God. Can I say this morning that Jesus is our mission? That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Jesus is our mission. Sixth thing is this, get a fresh grip. This has really spoken to me this week. How many know that when we kind of let go of some things over time, we, we don't realize until sometimes months later or weeks later, even a year later, that we've lost our grip on what's most important? right? Hebrews 12, verses 12 and 13, it says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. 
Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I love this. Make out, mark it a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. House of restoration. They're looking at you. They're looking at you. Their confidence in Jesus is going to come by seeing your love and confidence in Jesus. I remember years and years and years ago, uh, I did this experiment. And now I'm really embarrassed to say this, but I did do it. I was in youth group, misbehaving, in an old-fashioned Pentecostal church that was more Baptist than it was Pentecostal, so we called it Bapticostal. And, um, and there was this one day where I thought to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to literally, um, I'm going to start a movement, and I'm going to just see if this is true. So one day in, in church... We were clapping along to the song, and I purposely started to clap off beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Ryan? <laughs> Shut up! Oh, don't do that. It's driving me crazy. But I started clapping off beat, and guess what happened? I started a movement. <laughs> Everyone started clapping off beat. pray for my wife because <laughs> I still have these problems I do really weird things half the time but something hit me when I did that it's amazing how when you actually are intentional about something you'll gain a following when you actually have a desire to do something now this is the wrong desire so it's a bad example but I'm saying in anything in life people will follow Jesus called us to lead so that people will follow amen We have to get a fresh grip on the truth of God's word. We need to get a fresh grip on our relationship with God. I just feel like the warning sign is out for all of us right now. If you're, you know, messing around in your life and just kind of, you know, Christian one day, non-Christian the next, I just feel like God is saying to you this morning, listen, you can try all that other stuff in the world that's never going to satisfy. There's only one that will satisfy. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is the immovable, unshakable God that can be to you what we want to do. I believe that we as a church had to come back and grip again those values and that vision that we are, who we are. That's why we did the Lego series. There's some strategy behind that. I wanted people to understand very early on as new people were coming in that, guys, we believe in community. How many believe in community here? Amen? Well, we also, we did the Ethos series because we wanted people to see our DNA. We wanted to see our DNA without doing a 20-week DNA series for those that were around five years ago. Do you know what I'm saying? Renee and Lori and all those guys, James, Paula, man, I tell you, that was a long series. We did a DNA series that lasted 20 weeks. Thank you, Lord, we're not doing that again. Okay, the last thing is this, seven, decide to persist. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that uh, slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We're to run the race with endurance. Why? Because Jesus endured the cross and despised its shame. He disregarded it. And as a result, that endurance that was in him is now in his church. And he's asking us to run. Run the race. 
Don't worry about the obstacles. Fix your focus. Don't worry about the old things. Fix your focus. Don't worry about what someone's saying. Fix your focus. Don't worry about this. Fix your focus. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm in it to win it. Are you? I'm in it to win it. Because I believe that God's heart for this city is overwhelming. Every cross leads to a crown. Every trial leads to a throne. Do you believe that this morning? Frank Damasio said, and for those that were at the uh, Frank Damasio training back in June, you may remember this quote, but he literally said this that day. He said, we're preparing the church not for what it is today, but for what it is tomorrow. So are you ready for this? Are you ready? God's been dealing with me all week, and this is what we're going to do. And I'm excited. I just feel like we can sit here and wait all day long for the building to come. And I think the more that we wait, and the more that we wait, and the more that we wait, I think we're going to be waiting. And I just see for us that we're in a place of inertia, but God is stretching us to another place. We are adding rows, we are adding chairs, we are adding rows, and we are adding chairs. And it's getting too much, so here's what we're doing. Are you ready? January the 8th, 2017, we're going to two services. And we're excited. We're going to make room for more because I believe that we're in a season of momentum. I believe we're in a season of traction. But if we don't do something to gain that traction, then we're going to be here six months from now and a year from now going, isn't this nice? But I just feel like we got to gain traction. Are you with me on that one? We're going to two services and the the theme that God has given me this, even this week has been, we have a new service for a new year. Why? Because two, two is better than one. Amen. Two is better than one in so many different ways. And so what we're doing is we're going to make room for more people here uh, to come and to be able to get ministered to, to be able to experience that house of restoration. We did a covenant partner survey back in April of this year, and 85% of our covenant partners said that they're either open, very open, or excited to go to two services. That's an overwhelming support system from our key people in this church. Um, What we're going to be doing, I'm going to be going over some more details each Sunday as we get closer to January the 8th, uh, 2017. But what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a volunteer uh, um, process where whoever is on, on a Sunday, will be covering both services, but they'll only be on once a month. And so for those that would want to be on more, obviously they can be, um, but that's what we're going to do. There was two different ways that, two main ways that you could do volunteerism on a Sunday morning. What we're doing is we're going to go with... where we had the most support from our covenant partners, which is around 65%, said we're going to go with one service, doing both services once a month. And so there'll be more information for those that are involved in different teams. You're going to hear more information from your team leaders as time progresses. Um, The only thing that we need to get from you guys, and we're going to probably do it over a survey monkey uh, in the next coming weeks, is we're going to find out from you guys which service you're naturally going to gravitate towards attending. Um, can I just say this morning, Sandra and I were a part of this very same change at Oshawa Community Church in 2002. And here's how the response went when we first started talking about it. We're like, that's different. That means that there's things that are going to be different. And I went, different things are different. 
Can I tell you the story of OCC for a second? And I'm sure Pastor Frank wouldn't mind us saying this. We processed through this idea. We realized something has got to shift because the building that we were in, which they're currently in, was not going to grow. They couldn't supernaturally increase the size of the building, uh, partly because it was a historical building, which means they could never, ever do anything to add to the building. They were stuck because it was the original church that Sir John A., or not Sir John A., <laughs> Colonel McLaughlin made, who was the, the founder of General Motors, back in 1897. That was when it was made. Here's what happened. Um, week one came. It was awesome. We were on the worship team. We did two services, and it felt like nothing changed. We just got more Jesus for an extra hour and a half. It was awesome. So for those that are here, there's no pressure for you to come to both services. You just come to one because there's going to be identical services, except wherever the Holy Ghost goes in the midst of all of that. But here's what was interesting. We got about a month in, and we're all like, wow, I was expecting some big nightmare. We were expecting some, some crazy thing that we weren't expecting. None of that happened. Guess what happened within one year? They doubled. They went from 150 people in one calendar year after they went to two services, they were at 300. Now they're at 550 or 600. And now they're going to a third service uh, in March on a Saturday night. So they're going to three services because they believe that God's going to take them to 1,000 people. Amen? Amen? So we're going to two services because two is better than one. Say that after me. Two is better than one. Amen. But we also know that without prayer, this is not going to go well. So we have been feeling and we've been processing through this week as we've been taking in everything that God's been speaking to us about as a leadership team. And we feel like God is calling us in January to, to take the entire month to pray. We're going to take the whole month and pray. So, you're still going to have your connect groups, but the whole theme through the entire month of January in your connect groups is going to be prayer. We're going to cancel equip for the month of January, and we're going to actually start it in February, our next semester, because we believe so so important that we need to literally set aside our time to pray. So, we're going to have a a longer pre-service prayer time in January. We're going to have our our prayer times in our... um, and our connect groups, and we're going to meet every midweek. We're still nailing down the date so that it works with KCS, but it'll either be a Wednesday or Thursday night for the entire month of January. We're going to come, and we're going to seek the face of God because I believe that we're in a season of revival, and the church needs to be ready for it, and we need to be prayed up and ready to go. How many are in agreement with that? The third thing is this. We're going to be doing a message series in January called Next. And God has just been downloading into me stuff that is next. So part of it's going to be foundation laying. Part of it's going to be giving us a, uh, some teaching on faith to belief for what's next. And some of it's going to be practical. So I want to encourage you, get ready for that series coming up in January called Next. And last but not least, I have some, uh, just a quick update regarding a building. We have obviously gone through many, many months where we've been seeking. For those that do not know, we're actually at just under $54,000 in our building fund And for those that want to know, because we're open about this all the time, but we're very open about this. As of right now, as of last night, we have $121,000 sitting in our checking account. So this church is in a healthy place financially. This church is in a healthy place in so many different ways. I've lost count in the last couple of months how many ways we're in a healthy place. And so I want to encourage you. We're in a good spot. God is positioning us for growth. We have uh, the potential of some private investors that are coming in. We've got some great things lined up and working out with that. 
We have had four different buildings come up in the last month and a half that came out of the blue. How many of them, when you start praying and momentum starts happening, sometimes things just drop on your plate? And you're kind of like, what? So two of those four are definitely a no-go. We've looked into it, definitely no-go for a bunch of different reasons. But there's two in particular that are just kind of hovering. Um, I can't say what they are. I wish I could, but because the reason why I can't um, publicly... Um, I was able to share some of this information with our covenant partners in a private meeting. You can ask me privately, but I've been asked not to publicly share from, so that it's on a mic, um, so it's online, so it's an internet, because, um, because the two buildings, uh, the people that are currently in those buildings don't know that their, le- their owner is trying to sell the building. So the owner is afraid that if they find out that the people that are in the building will try to just jump ship and go rent another space somewhere else. Um, but there are two prime locations. One is on Princess Street in the West End. One is on Bath Road in the West End. And so both are prime locations. Both are very visible. Both could work. Um, and so I'm saying that to you this morning to say, we're not our, our focus is on Jesus. It's not on the building. But we can pray and believe God. Lord, whatever, wherever this needs to land, however this needs to land, whatever you want us to do and wherever you want us to be, um, we wanted to seek your face on that. Sound good? I want to end with a verse. Actually, a couple of verses. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I kind of felt like this described our church in the last month and a half. Renee, Eric, Brian, you can agree with me very quickly. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Traction. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing traction. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all of the persecutions and trials that you are enduring. Traction comes because of friction. Without friction, we can't gain traction. So don't be thrown by the friction that is in your life. Take it and turn it around and make the enemy pay for bringing it. Amen? Faith is growing. Our love for one another is growing. The result, perseverance, faith, and endurance. He goes on in verse 11 and 12 and he says this, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that we are on a precipice of some incredible things. When we were in Portland, and again, I don't share this with everyone all the time, but when we were in Portland, we had a group of people that prayed over us, of which none of these people know who we are. I know that a couple of them, I know their name, but I didn't know them from a hole in the ground. And when we were there, he just said, uh, one of the words that came out was this concept of, I just see you guys just building, laying foundation, and that's what you're really good at. It's almost like you just got comfortable doing what you're good at. But you've lost that risk-taking ability that you had when you first came to Kingston. 
that riskiness, not, not, not unwise decisions, but that risk, that faith risk-taking thing. And then we came back, and I had the same thing over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. And then my brother in pre-service prayer this morning comes up to me and says what he didn't know because he doesn't know me from the whole ground. It's the first time I've met him. Basically says, he basically just read the sermon back to me before I came in here. I said, it's time to go. It's time to take risks. It's time for heaven on earth. It's time to step out. Step out of the boat because Jesus didn't meet Peter until he stepped out of the boat. It's time to go. Amen? Growth is just not numerical. It's about maturity. It's about holiness. It's about influence. It's about discipleship. So I want you to know this morning, we're not, we're not a church that focuses on growth. We're a church that focuses on health because we believe that healthy things grow. Let's stand together. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.